This is Raymond Lata. Uh, he's a bigwig with the <laughs> Revolutionary Internationalist Movement, also known as the Revolutionary Communist Party, quote, USA. What's happening in a new liberatory socialist society is that you are able, because you have socialist ownership of the resources of society, the technological capacities of society, you have the ability now to rationally plan, you know, what is needed for the betterment of society and humanity. Oh, well, but he's just a guy doing a podcast on, you know, ridiculous capitalist owns tech. There's that. It's not like he has any power. Well, you know, except for the communists in our government, and in specific, we'll talk about today, a communist Supreme Court justice who's using a technique called progressive originalism to undertake to further destroy the United States. Her name, Justice Jackson. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Every day is a day of choosing. I encourage you, if you haven't yet, to join a church community, a Christian church community defined by me. And I think people are paying attention as a church community that is biblically adherent, completely biblical. Because we're given the hardest-to-fail, pass-fail test in history as God reveals and continues to reveal how badly compromised the United States has become. I'm always cautious, well, in fact, suspicious, when there is a sudden turn in the way someone views something. Like, suddenly. Certainly. Everybody can have a road to Damascus experience where the Lord Jesus speaks to them as he did to the Apostle Paul. Paul had been out killing Christians and, and being responsible for their killing and hunting them down and, and partnering, in fact, with the Romans to see them stricken from society. Uh, and then the Lord Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and said, I am the Lord whom you are crucifying, blinded Paul for a period of time. And then, ultimately, Paul became perhaps the most prolific of the apostles in terms of travel and wrote a good portion of the New Testament. So everybody can have that, but that's not what's happened with Justice Jackson. When a political movement that has hung their, their, their shingle up, their sign up, on the basis that the founders of the United States of America don't count because they're dead white men, and their views are disgusting because they're dead white men. And the Constitution is living and breathing, meaning it's dying. No, you think of it as things that live and breathe die. 
when suddenly this woman gains an originalist point of view and and speaks in in sort of posed eloquence uh, about the founders and their intent and the Fourteenth Amendment and brings into that equity, which of course this week Cami Harris said they need to hand out hurricane aid equitably based on equity, which would indicate to the vernacular of the left that BIPOC, that all important group of people, BIPOCs, would get their relief first. Although Politica, Politico, yeah, a PolitiFact, did you hear this yesterday? PolitiFact said, oh, she said no such thing, even though she said exactly that, as we have demonstrated on the program. So what did Justice Jackson say? And how do we approach this with our friends who are sure to point out, see, we can play the game too. We can go to the Constitution too. We can do originalism as well. Well, she's left gaping holes in this, as, as, as you would imagine. As you would imagine. She's left gaping holes. So we'll talk about that. Interrupted myself. Independent fact checkers have determined that this program may expose listeners to extremist views and ideas. Yes, that's us. Oh, we'll play the rest of it one day. People keep bugging me to play it more often. But if you play it more often, it's not funny anymore. Oh, did you know that the soda weight loss program is not just for people like you and me, that is normal people with normal bodies? It is very much. You know, it is very much for people like us. And, and you're going to be different than me. I'll give you a, for instance, my wife just hates gyms. She hates the idea of being in a gym. And yet when she's been successful with weight loss on the soda weight loss program, it didn't matter. Now, she would like to be able to go hiking with me. And certainly I invite her to go hiking with me. It's her estimation that she wants to be in better shape first. Okay, I get that. Respect that. I gave you another example. Loved one very close to me who's on the soda weight loss program. She doesn't want to lift weights. She likes walking and hiking and running. She doesn't want to do anything like that. She has dietary restrictions like you wouldn't believe. She had to go through this elimination diet to figure out what was causing her such problems and such pain. So she has real limitations in what she can eat. I choose to have limitations because of what I choose to do with my body. But did you know that soda weight loss is also the fat loss partner for the Dallas Cowboys? So from women like my, my wife and my loved one, so many women on this show, you know, partners of this show and, and, and podcast family members to guys like my friends just want to bike and golf or just sit around. Right? Sedentary people doing some gardening. Soda weight loss works for all of them. Why? Because it is designed per individual. You will work with the nutritionists, and the nutritionists at Soda Weight Loss will design a plan that's for you in terms of how much energy you put out, what you enjoy doing, trigger foods, they'll design it around you, they'll provide you convenience foods because being hungry is not the way to drop weight, just isn't. And they'll give you cooking classes and Christian meditation programs. Don't overlook those. They're fantastic. It's SotaWeightLoss.com S-O-T-A WeightLoss.com. It stands for state of the art. 
So Justice Jackson, who is on the Supreme Court because she is a, uh, she identifies as black, whatever that means, and a woman, whatever that means. You'll recall she is one of the people famous for being unable to, to describe what woman means, but somehow finds herself able to listen to court cases or judge court cases where things like um, unequal uh, participation between men and women is at play. Or like Title IX. Justice Jackson has no idea what a woman is, but she'll probably one day be faced with a court case around Title IX since, in her world, men are women. That's why she can't say what a woman is. So talking about Justice Jackson and her newfound zeal for originalism, but in a progressive sense, this has to do with racial preferences. In other words, should we install racism as policy in the United States of America? Um, I don't think we can assume that just because race is taken into account, that that necessarily creates an equal protection problem, because I understood that we looked at the history and traditions of the Constitution, at what the framers and the founders thought about. And when I drilled down to that level of analysis, it became clear to me that the framers themselves adopted uh, the Equal Protection Clause, the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment, in a race-conscious way that they were, in fact, trying to ensure that people who had been discriminated against, the freedmen, um, in, during the Reconstruction period, uh, were actually uh, 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 brought equal to everyone else in the society. So I looked at the uh, report that was submitted by the Joint Committee on Reconstruction, which drafted the 14th Amendment, um, and that report says that the entire point of the amendment was to secure rights of the freed former slaves. The legislator who introduced that amendment said that, quote, unless the Constitution should restrain them, those states will all, I fear, keep up this discrimination and crush to death the hated freedmen. That's not, um, that's not a race-neutral or race-blind idea in terms of the remedy. And, and even more than that, um, I don't think that the historical record establishes that the founders uh, believed that race neutrality or race blindness was required, right? They drafted the Civil Rights Act of 1866, which specifically stated that citizens would have the same civil rights as enjoyed by white citizens. That's the point of that act, to make sure that the other citizens, the black citizens, would have the same as the white citizens. So they recognized that there was unequal treatment, that people based on their race were being treated uh, unequally. And importantly, when there was a concern that the Civil Rights Act wouldn't have a constitutional foundation, that's when the 14th Amendment came into play. All right, so fancy words from a lady who is good at pretending to be a scholar to some people. But she is a radical racial activist, and we knew this going in, a woman who is willing to lie, to, to issue a bold-faced lie that everybody knows is a lie. All people know what a woman is. Everybody knows what a woman is. You know, little kids who become confused or conned into believing they're a boy, they're also little kids 
teens who believe one day they too will be a standout NFL quarterback. And in one one millionth of the case, they're right. But they're not going to be spacemen. So in this case of a woman who refused to state what a woman is so that she could get on the Supreme Court and not run afoul of gender theory, this is who she is. So let's go through the text of the 14th Amendment. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privilege or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law or deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. This has nothing to do with equal protection. And what she's talking about here goes back to equity, which is right back to central planning, which is right back to the fatal flaw of communism. I mean, communism has a whole bunch of fatal flaws. Number one, the creator of it, Karl Marx, hated God. He wasn't an atheist. We talked about this last week. Karl Marx was not an atheist. Karl Marx, until he was 17, had been, he'd been raised as a Lutheran. Around the age of 17 or 18, he turned against the Lord. And he began to manifest in himself godlike capabilities. He said that he would be equal to God. And that his words would burn through society. And that, that he, in fact, said he wanted revenge against God. He appointed himself to be a god. And so much of communism comes from the mind of a guy who was that wicked. I chatted with a pastor about this recently, and he said, sounds like he was inhabited by a different spirit. Not his own. Does to me. Sounds exactly like that to me. One who thinks they're equal to God and is going to get revenge against God. That's fatal flaw number one of communism. It's ungodly, therefore it will fail. Number two, the fatal flaw of communism is because it is something that it's at least makes the, the, the enemy, uh, Satan, happy, the people who adhere to it will make Satan happy. They will then separate themselves from God. They're following a religion, and communism is a religion that has no ability to lift people. It has no respect for people. It doesn't respect their humanity. How can a religion, communism, founded by a guy who hated God and wanted revenge on God, how can it have respect for the human form? How do you go to war with God? And, or, yeah, how do you, how do you not, if you're at war with God, you, you hate the very creation that God created in his own image. Well, if that's the case, how does your religion stand, uh, you know, against God Almighty? It can't. So that's another fatal flaw. And the people who fall for this find themselves, therefore, separated from God and then unable to see truth. Any sort of truth. So that's a fatal flaw. But to tactical fatal flaws in communism. Just imagine this. 
Imagine that you are teaching a room full of people how to do something you do very well. So let me put it in my terms. Let's say that I am going to take a, a group of people. Why well, don't do that well? Well, okay. So, but I do CrossFit better than a lot of people because I've practiced it a long, long time and I am a terrible CrossFitter, but I do it better than most people because most people have not done it. So if I were to take, in fact, I do teach a fitness class. So there's that. So in a fitness class, kind of introduction to CrossFit, um, I will have to take 20 people and I can show them, here's what a proper squat looks like, as, as close as I can get it. And I'll critique myself. Here's the things I'm still working on. And around the room, I'll show it, we'll work on it. But the human beings are this way. That a gentleman, I could go to this gentleman and determine that he has an injury that limits his range of motion. So he's not going to get as low as we'd like to see in a squat. A long-standing injury. Now we can work through that. I go look at a woman who's never played sports. Therefore, she has no experience being in an athletic stance. So she's just getting into the stance is a big deal. Whereas another guy in the class is a powerlifter. Well, he's used to squatting in a powerlifting stance with a powerlifting angle. He's not used to having a straight back. Uh, so I, I go with that. The point of all this is not to speak about CrossFit. It's to speak about humanity. Everybody in that class has different characteristics, different pain tolerance, different interest levels in the class, different desires, different reasons for being there. I use the squat and CrossFit because it's the basis of all our movements. But you could apply that to anything. You know, if you're teaching someone to play guitar, they're going to people who have small hands. They may not be able to do a full bar chord. And you might have to show them an alternative to a full bar chord, partial bar chords. You could take this to podcasting. There are people who are never going to be good podcasters because they don't like to hear themselves talk because they, they have to rely on notes and to read things. And if you can't move away from reading something and speaking extemporaneously, you're not going to make it in that business. Everybody has these different abilities. So what Justice Jackson is speaking about is equity. It is not equality. What Justice Jackson seeks, of course, you already know this, is equality of outcome. But her statement talks about equal protection. Equal access. But she intends to take that. This is the progressive originalism. She's playing this game of, I thought that we paid attention to the founders. I thought that we, we cared what the founders said. I thought we were going to examine the text of the Constitution. When you examine the text of the Constitution, it does not allow. The 14th Amendment does not describe Reparations. It does not describe race-based policies. In fact, one could argue that the 14th Amendment is against race-based policies. And yet Jackson knows exactly what she's seeking. So back to the fatal flaws of communism. Justice Jackson is an adherent to a religion that was founded by a guy who hated God, who wanted revenge on God. Justice Jackson is a victim of this ideology. 
Justice Jackson is a victimizing others with this ideology because she's been fallen for it. So therefore, she's separated from God and cannot see truth. And I'm talking about just everyday truth, not even just spiritual truth. Hey, um, a, um, I don't know how to say this. I, I just am going to say, I'm not even going to do soap. I, I just am looking at a text from our friends at Alan Soap at alansoaps.com slash Todd. I am just going to ask you to pray for John and Tina and Alan. In fact, if you are driving, be very careful. If you're somewhere where you can pray with me, will you do that? Dear Father God, you are the ultimate physician. You are the ultimate healer. Father, you do all things for our good. Lord, please be with John and Tina and young Alan. Please be with his physicians. Lord, please use your healing powers to supplant theirs and help young Alan with this new challenge. Please fill his parents, Tina and John, with your love with your peace, which surpasses all understanding. And Lord, in your perfect will, give our friends perfect peace as they go through this. Give them the strength, Lord, your strength, strength of the Holy Spirit. We ask this, Father, in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. I think apropos that we offer a prayer to the Lord while we're talking about someone who cannot see the Lord and cannot see truth, Justice Jackson. So what she's angling for is the ability to pick winners and losers. It's what she's angling for is to install lies in society. When we're speaking about reparations uh, with people, there's so many fundamentals to get across. Number one is, this is the way I approach this, and I think it's a good approach, is to whom are we giving reparations? And the answer will be, well, to, to descendants of slaves. Okay, so to the descendants of slaves, which ones? Well, I mean, anybody in our country who's a descendant of slaves. So, so all black people? And you're going to get, yeah, well, all black people were descendants of slaves. That's untrue. A, a, a small minority were descendants of, of slaves. So let's start with that. Right? So you just want this to be equitable. Right? That's, that's it. Okay. What about people who were descendants of slaves who had the good fortune to have been, quote, owned by masters who treated them more like employees? And more like, more like servants. And in fact, gave them bankrolls and, and helped them. It, when emancipation came along, gave them the choice. And said, hey, you could stay here and take you know, some, some, some of this acreage for yourself. You help me. I'll give you a place to stay. It'll be your own home. 
you can own it. Now, again, what, what percentage of slavers did that? I don't know. I know some did. So what you're doing is you're just saying, so, but what about the people like that too, who actually ended up owning farms and owning land? They're going to get the same as people who didn't, right? So we're getting them away from the notion that all black people would be owed this money. Uh, And then we begin to work down further into this. What about the other people who were slaves? Right? In Africa. So are we going to now go to Africa and find the descendants of the African slavers who captured other Africans and sold them not just to America, but to other countries? Are we going to go that far? No, it stops in America. Got it. Who pays? Who pays for this? Well, it helped the entire country. Well, no, in fact, it didn't. Some people fought against it. Some people had no relationship to it. So should descendants of people who, whose uh, ancestors fought against slavery and in fact gave their lives in the fight against slavery, at least the Civil War was at least partially about that, if not fully, should they pay too? People whose families died, maybe a complete generation wiped out of males? During the Civil War, should we go after them? Should they have to pay? So boiling it down to should people who never held slaves and come from families who never held slaves be forced to give money to the families of people who never were slaves? That's a yes or no. Further, now when you're speaking of equity, the argument is, as Cammie Harris spoke, well, some people uh, just haven't had an opportunity. They weren't, they're not given as much as others. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they just, uh, there's a difference between equality and equity. Uh, it's like in a race, some people in a, in a hundred yard dash <laughs> uh, start at, you know, uh, they start a hundred yards behind. <laughs> so shouldn't we at least move them uh, to the starting line? <laughs> okay. So if we're going to move people to a point of equality, are we going to keep them there? So if people make poor choices, having been moved to equality, are we going to keep catching them up? And the answer will be, oh, no, no, no. Once we pay this all out, now now we're equal. Okay. So once we pay this all out, we're equal, except for this. There are going to be people who are black who've done far better than people who are white. So should Spike Lee participate in reparations? Should should he get that money? Should CEOs of black-owned businesses get money when they've done so well? What about the first one of the... No, in fact, I believe it was the first slave owner in one of the original states was black. Shouldn't his descendants, did they pay or not pay? 
because they're black, therefore victims. But they ran a, um, a, a slave plantation, therefore oppressors. What about them? And, and by the way, what percentage? I mean, there are very few people who are pure African and, and were descendants of slaves. So are we going to do blood tests? Is this all predicated upon race? If it's all predicated upon race, well, then Cami Harris shouldn't be getting any because until recently she was an Indian American. Shouldn't this be a, a, a DNA-based thing? And then that further slices down. So what happens? And, and, and again, I mean, you slice it to the ridiculous, which is part of the point because it's all ridiculous. So let me present to you this scenario. You have a black person who is not done poorly and not done fantastically well. In other words, this person is exactly in the median of income and savings and education, exactly in the middle. But that person is 30% black and 70% white. Does that person pay the full freight of reparations or does that person pay 30%? Now, let me just say this. The person looks very black. The person has, has black facial features and darker skin, but 70% white DNA. Now what? All of it's ridiculous. All of it fails to take into account Native Americans or first peoples, if you will, who, who in fact took slaves. That was part of the Native culture, slave taking, as it was around the world. It fails to take into account Chinese people who are, of course, white adjacent. We talked about that yesterday. The, the, the party has decided they're white adjacent. So it all falls apart and it all goes back to humanity. It all goes back to you can't make a whole room of people who are new to squatting squat the same way. They have different foot sizes. They have different range of motion issues. They have different spinal alignments. They have different um, comfort levels for pain. You can't make people play the guitar the same way. Given their finger size or, again, pain tolerance, it takes a while to build up those calluses on your fingers. You can't make people behave the same way. You can't make people have the same moralities. God could, but he doesn't. God could do this, but he doesn't. And yet people who follow the religion of communism insist that this can be done. You'll hear the whole thing uh, from this guy, Raymond Lada. He either was or still is the leader of the Revolutionary Communist Party and the Revolutionary Internationalist Movement. Who says there's such a thing as globalists? What? Globalists? What are you talking about? No globalists? <laughs> oh, speaking of globalists. Yeah, tomorrow, uh, Zach Abraham joins us. And you want to see some things that are going on in the financial system. Well, uh, Zach sent me something. And he doesn't usually come and say, hey, we got to talk about this. Well, I really think we do need to talk about this. It's about how the dollar, this, this, the, the, the strength of the U.S. dollar, and what size, 
role that plays in our financial futures. Because here's what's going on housing-wise. Bloomberg writes, it's no secret that the U.S. housing market has been softening, but something else interesting is going on. And Zach writes, love the shock and awe, air of disbelief as it relates to the pullback in housing. When you double the price of mortgages in 14 months, you don't need to be Milton Friedman to correctly predict prices are going to get hammered. Well, there's that. You know what else we're going to talk about? The United States gives China cheap natural gas. Why? Because we're compromised. What's China doing with it? (laughs) They're reselling it. China is rerouting U.S. liquefied natural gas to Europe at big profits. Remember when we gave away from our our supposedly uh, strategic oil reserves? All this oil? And now we have to buy it back at a higher rate? Guys, if I'm not being clear, it's a risky financial environment. If I'm not being clear, only Zach Abraham talks about these things. He stewards our monies for, for, for retirement. If you're in retirement or you're 5, 10, or 15 years out from retirement, you cannot be anywhere that is not fully, obsessively, weirdly focused on risk management. Zach is... Bulwark Capital Management's Chief Investment Officer. Same message for a decade. That's why the firm has been so successful. That and blessings from God. Call them at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's Investment Advisor, Representative Tech Financial LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Yes! Got it under the legal timeline. It's ridiculous that the government will let you really read that that fast. Can you guys understand that when I read that that fast? It's just, we have to do that every time. But you notice that members of the Fed don't have to give their disclaimer every time they speak somewhere about what they're actually doing. So this is Raymond Lada. He is a United States-based communist who now has his very own SCOTUS representative. What's happening in a new liberatory socialist society is that you are able because you have socialist ownership of the resources of society, the technological capacities of society, you have the ability now to rationally plan, you know, what is needed for the betterment of society and humanity. We need more housing. We need health care. We need a different kind of energy grid. And you go to work on that and you have the ability to do it. Look, here's what happens under the current system. You know, you have these scientists, for instance, who have issued these alarms about global warming, the the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. These scientists are not just telling us, you know, what time it is in terms of this crisis. They're also telling us what needs to be done now, urgently, in terms of the transport system, in terms of energy, in terms of how we live and how we commute. Those scientists are cooperating with each other on a global scale, but they can only go so far. You know, the climate change report was reviewed, vetted by members of the fossil fuel industry. I mean, that's how obscene this is. You have people, right, who have all kinds of incredible proposals that are actionable, you know, to transform our energy system, 
you know, the existing energy system here and in other parts of the world rapidly to renewable, to solar, to geothermal, to wind. But this goes nowhere under the system. These proposals go nowhere because they have to be profitable. (laughs) I just listened to the delusions of this guy. And man, the more I think about this, I don't think we put enough focus on this. That the... (laughs) The, the, the separation from God by, by virtue of following a false religion, and we can talk all day long about why communism is a religion. Well, for instance, uh, it only works by virtue of faith. It has never worked. So <laughs> you have to operate in faith that it one day may work. That's how you have to operate. Well, one day it'll work. Well, I mean, and frankly, there's a thousand times more proof that the Christian faith works. Well, we could start with the Lord Jesus having been raised from the dead. That's a pretty big indicator. And we can talk about that again on another show and all the, all the proof points of that that are not, not limited to the apostles. Far from it are the apostles' stories. But we can do this quickly. No, we can't. I, we've shared on the show that to get enough cobalt to transfer this nation into the electrical grid that's going to be required for this will take something like 141 years of mining to, to, to get near enough. And, that, and that's, that's to catch up. And lithium, I thought it's not lithium, but one of the other elements takes like a thousand years of mining. Okay, so they can, they can you know, increase the capacity and do more mining, but quickly, no. And in this guy's bad brain, where he thinks that we can quickly make this transference. Do you know that that would mean coming into everybody's house? Anybody who has natural gas or, or, or oil, and we used to have oil heat in Seattle. I loved it. Super efficient. Do you know that they would have to come in to each one of those houses and, and rewire everything? You cook with natural gas? No, not anymore. Oh, we're going to rip that out. Do you understand that the natural gas line that comes into your house, then that's going to have to be capped and then pulled out because you don't want to cap the natural gas line in your house. If you're not using it, why have the risk of it being there? I mean, it, it, is a, a, it is a fantasy. But you hear him say that now we can direct everybody to squat the same way, and they will. All right, so this person has... Um, this, this person has bad knees. Well, we're going to make them squat the same way as the person with perfect knees. And this person is 120 pounds overweight, but we're going to make them squat with the same velocity as this person over here who has, um, who's been doing athletics for years. We're going to make everybody who plays guitar play at the same speed uh, with the same accuracy as David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, who's played guitar now for 177 years. It, it, it just falls apart. And we're going to make everything equal. At the Supreme Court level, we're going to go through all of history and make everybody equal by taking one event in history, the enslavement of black people by one country, and that will make everything equal. Now, Justice Jackson may well be deluded enough to believe this. That guy may well be deluded enough to believe this. 
But there's a reason that Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates are playing this game because they're not stupid in regards to economics. Look at their personal economics and tell me they don't get it. That's not true. They understand the usefulness of idiots like this guy who's, who's idiotic in this way. Perhaps he has other skills because God gives everybody gifts, but he can't see it because he is in a committed relationship with Satan. He doesn't know that. But when you are following a religion founded by a guy who hates God, hated, well, I mean, being that, that Karl Marx is in hell, he probably hates God. And, and good luck to him. See, this comes to this veneer. And later in the, um, in the week, well, no, it's tomorrow. We, um, we're going to talk with Zach Abraham, as I just said earlier. And we need to talk through a couple of things, specifically the veneer of civilization. What happens when the money fades? What happens when digital currency comes along and bad behavior is punished? Is there any predicate for this historically? See, because we're living in a veneer of this now. Victor David Hansen is not a bomb thrower. He is not a, uh, he's not a conspiracy theorist. Uh, he is not a grenade tosser like I'm accused of being. He writes... Civilization is fragile. It hinges on ensuring the stuff of life. Now, think about this from a communist perspective. We're going to limit, we're going to limit people's motivation for growing food. We're going to cap their motivation by capping their income. Okay, just think about this. We're going to cap the motivation for people developing fuels because we're going to cap their income. Hansen writes. To be able to eat, move about, to have shelter, to be free from, the, from state or tribal coercion, to be secure abroad and safe at home. Only that allows cultures to be freed from the daily drudgery of mere survival. Civilization alone permits humans to pursue sophisticated scientific research, the arts, and the finer aspects of culture. So the great achievement of Western civilization, consensual government, individual freedom, rationalism and partnership with religious belief, free market economics, and a constant self-critique and audit was to liberate people from daily worry over state violence, random crime, famine, and often unforgiving nature. But so often the resulting leisure and affluence instead delauded arrogant Western societies into thinking that modern man no longer needed to worry about the fruits of civilization when he took it to be his elemental birthright. As a result, once prosperous Greek city-states, Roman empires, Renaissance, republics, and European democracies of the 1930s imploded as civilization went headlong in reverse, we in the modern world are now facing just such a crisis. We talk grandly about the globalized Great Reset. We blindly accept the faddish New Green Deal. We virtue signal about defunding the police. We merely shrug at open borders, and we brag about banning fertilizers and pesticides, outlawing the internal combustion engine, and discounting Armageddon in the nuclear age as if on autopilot we've already reached utopia. But meanwhile, Westerners are systematically destroying the very elements of our civilization that permitted such fantasies in the first place. Take fuel. 
Europeans arrogantly lectured the world that they no longer needed traditional fuels. So they shut down nuclear power plants. They stopped drilling for oil and gas and they banned coal. What followed was a dystopian nightmare. Europeans will burn dirty wood this winter as their civilization reverts from postmodern abundance to pre-modern survival. The Biden administration ossified oil fields. It canceled new natural gas leases. It stopped pipeline construction and hectored investors to shun fossil fuels. When scarcity naturally followed, fuel prices soared. It's a great piece, and I encourage you to read it all. It is linked in the show notes. And he's calling out the alarm that where money goes and when money fades and when people's buying power fades, people can become very, very desperate and civilization can suddenly implode. And it runs right through our biblical faith. When you listened to that, did it bring fear to your heart? It did to mine. Does that mean a failure to abide in Christ? Yes. And no. Because unlike the central planners, unlike Justice Jackson and the American Communist Party, God understands all of us have different tolerances for fear. All of us have different abilities to be faithful on a daily basis. All of us have different abilities to abide. All of us have the same God willing to help us at every single moment by turning to him and knowing he has it handled. Knowing we're going to face trials. We are going to be taken The United States is going to be taken. How far? Don't know. Can there be a revival? Yes. Will there be a jubilee? There will, unless the Lord comes prior, because there always is. So let us not apply to God Almighty the same lack of vision and lack of understanding that exists in the broken, deluded, abused, captured by evil gourds of Jackson and people who have fallen for this stuff. Let us remember that God has provided manna from heaven and he can do it again anytime he wants to. And he does on a daily basis. We just don't see it that way anymore. For all of Hansen's wisdom, all of his word smarts and their plenty. This piece is missing one major factor. And that is the fact that God is the author of everything he just touted. Civilization. The changing point for the world was when the apostles took to the road and said, be different. Trust God, care for the Greek widows. And that's what we're called to do. So choose a side. We started the show by saying we're at a time of choosing. Choose. Find a church community, a biblically observant, absolutely biblically committed to that worldview 
Don't just go 1.2 times a a month. Become members and then become contributors. The body of Christ is where we get to put on the full armor of God. And against all this stuff, we will stand and we've already won. Judge Jackson or no Judge Jackson. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and yes, let us all abide in Christ.